uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I hope you're going well. Uh, well, another episode. Here we are. If it's your first time here, this is uh, this is the Street Press. And basically, I bring someone on each week. They can be from the music industry. So it's not always musicians, but uh, I'd say 90% of the time it is. Uh, we also bring on people from the industry. Just uh, They could be someone side of stage, could be an engineer, a producer, a band, touring manager, you get the gist. Um, it could be anyone. But this week got tones from the Lazy Susans. Now, a quick recap on the band. I was uh, in Sydney a couple of years ago. This is pre-pandemic. Went to a bar to go and see the Heartaches play, one of my favourite Aussie bands, and got there nice and early, got some merch. Heard this music coming out of uh, out of the venue so I was like, well, I've got to go see the uh, the opening act or the um, touring act and on stage with the Lazy Susans and there was a song they played and we talk about it in this interview coming up that really moved me. And ever since that day, I've been following them. They've since released albums, EPs, a fair bit since then. Gone on to do some uh, really incredible things as well. They've toured with some pretty big acts and um, even played some gigs with bands like Mill and Colin. Obviously, they were on the Heartaches tour, which is pretty impressive uh, by itself. So, Tones jumps on the podcast today. We speak about our shared love for the Heartaches, you know, Ben and his songwriting. We talk about her packing up her bags. She lived in the Blue Mountains and decided it was time to pack up and head to Melbourne. You know, the music centre, the music capital, if you will. And we talk about why she left uh, and why she wasn't too particularly keen to stay in Sydney. Uh, we also talk about the early influences of Tones. And the best thing about this is she still listened to the bands that she was listening to 10, 15 years ago. And I like people like that. If you're someone out there, are you still out there listening to the bands that you grew up with? I am. I reckon I've got like a Blink-182, Green Day, um, yeah, Jimmy Eat World. They're, they're constantly still in my playlists. I'm driving around listening to them still. So uh, if you're one of those people, props to you. And we also talk about Melbourne. It was obviously the hardest hit when that damn pandemic uh, swept through and the lockdowns came. Uh, I think uh, Melbourne was locked down for about nine months and uh, Tones was living on her own that whole time. So, uh, you know, we get the goss on how she manoeuvred through that and uh, kept herself going and kept the band going as well. Here it is, my interview with Tones for The Lazy Susans. Tones, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. Glad I got you on here. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for cooperating with my crazy day. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, it's always like, you know, there's always something happening for, for, for all of us. So I'm, I'm on chill. This kind of, this thing's just so, you know, easy to do anytime really. So yeah. if, if it didn't work out today, it would have worked out anytime. Um, yeah. So how, how have you been? 
yeah, pretty good. Just working and getting band stuff happening again and playing shows. This is my best life. I saw um, you, you played a gig this month, didn't you? Yeah, we played um, the Brunswick Street, Sydney Road Street Party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the one. How did that go? Yeah, it was really good. Um, we played at the Bergie Seltzer, which was a really cool little little bar, like little hole-in-the-wall stage, which was real cute and it was really packed. And I didn't expect it A to be so I didn't realise it was such a big, like it was actually kind of like a festival. Like <laughs> when I arrived, I, I didn't realise it was like full-on parades down the street. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is pretty cool. That's cool. And before that gig, I think you played in February, but um, has there been a bit of a break for you guys in, in between? We only really started playing shows like I think February or yeah, probably February. Um, before that, the band was kind of on a big break for pre- pretty much since lockdown. The original members, for personal reasons, decided to you know go on their own paths and do different things. Um, so it was just me for a while. Um, that's why the band didn't really play any shows after lockdown stopped and everyone was released from, you know. Um, but yeah, I finally got the right people who bring the good vibes and we can just have fun and, and yeah, I'm really excited now we've just started playing shows. So we've only actually done a few shows this year. Um, so it's just getting the ball rolling again. That's good. A very exciting time as well. Uh, well, the first time I saw you guys play was in Sydney with the heartaches. You're on tour with them. Uh, I love the heartaches. Yeah, me too. One of my favorite bands and like... Ben David's one of my favorite songwriters. I just love his songwriting style and his voice and just the emotion in his songs. And yeah, we went on tour with them, I think twice because we just loved each other so much. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, that was such a good tour. Both of them were so good. Love, I would love to play another show with them. Yeah. Oh, well, you and me both with uh, with Ben, I think he's one of the best, one of the best songwriters in Australia. Um just the way he can just, you know, talk about how brutal life can be in, in such a hit you in the face kind of way. You know, it's like I sort of even listen to his lyrics and I I listen to him sing and I think, oh, wow, like that's brave to sing like that, you know? Yeah, and those melodies just yeah. really hit different. They were a two-piece for so long and I, I admired that. Yeah, when we played on tour with them, they were just a two-piece, but he had his guitar so that, it was going through a bass amp at the same time, so it would make bass. It sounded like a full band, yeah. which is really cool. That okay. So that gig that I saw you guys at and him doing that, I was like, "How is how is he doing this? It sounds like a full band, but there's two people." So, yeah, I, I noticed he had a second amp on there. But I saw you guys play, and I, I particularly loved um, "Grandfather." Yeah, like, thank you. I, I love that. I love that song. And that was so, I, I just lost my dad at the time. Um, yeah. and, and it literally, it wasn't, wasn't long before I came and saw you guys. And even though you're singing about a grandfather, it's still me and my brother were in the crowd and we sort of thought, wow, isn't that crazy that, you know, this band's singing a song, just all those lyrics just mean so much to us at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that was really special actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for telling me that and sharing that. Yeah, I, that's what I really wanted the song to be able to help people going through any kind of loss with any anyone who means something to them, you know. And for me personally, I lost my grandfather when I wrote the song and I wrote that song trying to figure out how I could be honest with myself and say kind of what I wished I could have heard at the time that I didn't really 
I think for me as well because I think with society it's kind of expected. You, you, everyone grows up, you know, you know you're going to one day lose your grandparents because they're mm. older and stuff. And so when you, you know, tell someone, oh, you know, my grandfather died or whatever, often it's just a bit of like a that's life mm. and people don't realise that they're, I don't know, it's just not treated the same, I think, and I think it should be because it's just as, it hurts just as much as losing anyone. Totally. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, the band, was the band originally from the Blue Mountains? Yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're originally from the Blue Mountains. That's where I grew up and lived until um, we moved to Melbourne in my like early 20s. Yeah, I love the Blue Mountains, though. Have you been? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like on the Central Coast. Oh, so. cool, yeah. Not nice. too far. I mean, it's probably an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, we moved down like literally just before lockdown. I think it was 2019, like late 2019 or something. So <laughs> great timing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing you you packed up everything with obviously the ambition to play a lot of music because that's where everyone heads to play music is Melbourne. And as soon as you get there, it would have just stopped. Yeah. We did have a brief window where we played a couple of good shows and it felt like we were kind of reaching to this, like we had a lot of momentum going and then, yeah, the lockdown hit and the van kind of all went off in their different directions. And uh, But I think it all happens for a reason and I think now we're here and we're at where we're meant to be. You had the EP and then you have like the album. So there's, there's actually not heaps of music from you guys, but it's amazing to think how well you've connected with people you've been on and you've been on festivals have you played with mill and colin as well is that did i read that right yeah that was a good show <laughs> yeah we played with some really cool bands like honestly it's a bit of a dream we played with spider bait to this day i'm like nice. i can't believe we played with spider bait yeah it's just some really cool cool bands we got to play with yeah 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 so where was the mill and colin show oh you're testing me now see i i'm <laughs> i've got a kind of memory where i can Remember specific things, but not <laughs> names of venues and things like that. No, that's that's <laughs> fair was enough. A venue that was big, I can tell you that. <laughs> that's cool. How do you go in front of a big crowd? Uh, I feel alive in front of a, like it, especially if the crowd's receptive, you know, and they're into it. Um, if they're not, it doesn't really matter. You just, I feel like as long as the van's having a good time, people watching will have a good time. Yeah. They can tell that we're having fun, even if they don't really know our style or know our music. They're going to be just absorbing that energy, you know? And if it's the other way around, if we're really stressed and we're like worried about no one's dancing mm. or whatever, then they're going to sense that and not want to watch us. Like, that's how I feel when I'm watching a band anyway. So I, I do love a big crowd. Who doesn't? I tell you what, it's hard to come by sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a hard thing to describe how great it feels after after a good show. Yeah, yeah, and during a good show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's it. If people are reacting to it, it doesn't really necessarily matter about how many people are in the crowd. But, you know, if you can see some smiles, you can see a few people singing along, people into it, you're feeling good on stage, the band's feeling good, there's no better feeling in the world. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't really... It's just about the energy in the room. Like the room doesn't have to be packed out as long as even if there's just a few people just and they're really engaged and watching and listening and you can see them really getting into it. Like I feel like that's that's all that really matters. Gave uh, Ben David a pretty big rap at the start of the podcast, but your lyrics as well are, are, are quite special. And um, I've been listening to you guys for a few years. Who do you, who, who inspires you musically? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, growing up, I was very inspired by 
like Avril Lavigne. Um, and honestly, to this day, I still love Avril Lavigne. Oh, that's I good. Will die on that hill. <laughs> um, and like Paramore and Missy Higgins, like uh, Evanescence. That was like my early, early influences. Yeah. But since coming to the Australian music scene and more discovering more Australian bands. I'd say like the heartaches is actually <laughs> bringing them back in. I'd say they're one of my influences as well. And Camp Cope was a big influence as well, a big just introduction to that whole world that I didn't really know about. I could just name so many like good local bands that really inspire me. And I think just a lot of my friends in like the local bands, they inspire me like my friends are some of the best songwriters. I'm glad to hear you say that you used to like Avril Lavigne and you still like Avril Lavigne because I, I don't really like people that, uh, that uh, you know, in it for the moment kind of thing, you know. It's like I love pop punk and punk and, and I'm still listening to the same bands that I love. Oh, me too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early 2000s music. Yeah. Chef Kiss. Like that is, <laughs> honestly, I think that'll be the music that's like my top genre. So the day I'm, you know, I'm going out. <laughs> when it comes to lyrics, does the inspiration come to you at any time of the day? Yeah, like it'll sort of like a little line with like a melody with it will kind of come into my head and then I'll voice record that so that I remember like just the general idea. And then I'll get the guitar out and start like playing some chords that I just feel good about at the time. And then it just kind of like... It's almost like improvising, but it's coming out of me and I don't actually put much thought into the lyrics. Yep. It's kind of like coming from a subconscious place, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, like I don't really think about the lyrics. They just make themselves known. <laughs> Do words just sort of spit out like like with me anyway? If I'm writing a song, I don't know, I hear someone say a line that sounds cool, I'll just like write that down and then try and write a song around that, you know. Do you do that yeah. sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like I was watching TV show the other day and they said something really cool and I was like, huh, I'm going to remember that and try and add into something. Yeah. I think there's a few different sort of ways it happens yeah. sometimes. Hey, you obviously from the Blue Mountains and you're living in Melbourne now. Tell me about the two cities. Why didn't you stay in Sydney? Um. Well, I don't want to give Sydney a bad rap. <laughs> Go <laughs> but- on. I I don't know. I just Sydney's just not for me. I think I was just drawn to Melbourne naturally because I don't know. I love just the architecture and the the people, like the their fashion style and the the food. Like I am vegan, and there's so much more vegan options in Melbourne, and just like the culture, there's so, like very multicultural, diverse. Um, and lots of queer people around. I just feel like um, it it was just calling to me. And also the music scene um, at the time, before, you know, lockdown, Mm. uh, at the time was really a lot more alive and vibrant in Melbourne than in Sydney. Um, It kind of felt like the place to be. But uh, Sydney, I do like the beaches, but that's probably about it. I think the city, the city itself is very confusing trying to navigate. It's just the way it's set out is really weird. Melbourne's more like a grid, right? Yeah, I get really lost in Sydney and even my maps gets confused. And I just <laughs> <laughs> just feel like no one knows where to go and everyone in Sydney seems like a little bit 
a little bit angry or maybe just tired or how are the venues in Melbourne? I mean, I've been to Melbourne a handful of times anyways. I know that Sydney copped it during the lockdown. A lot of uh, a lot of venues had to shut down. Is that the same same sort of deal in Melbourne? Are there, are there ones that didn't survive? Yeah, we've had some real good ones have to go, but we we do still have some really good ones. And I love like the old bar and the last chance rock and roll bar. They're like smaller venues, but they're really well loved. Like everyone knows about them and it's just like something really wholesome about them. And you can tell it's that they're really there for music and to support like local acts. And that's my kind of place I like to go. Well said. Um, how did you go through the pandemic? Was it a really tough time for you? Um, yeah, I was a bit. I don't really know anymore. Like it's kind of a blur. Like mm. <laughs> I don't know if I've just like pushed it deep down or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I like I did. I did once lockdown kind of stopped and we're still in the pandemic and stuff. But like it was restrict, like easing it up a bit. Like Victoria was hit the worst with the lockdown. Like it was like nine months. So it's all a bit of a blur. But once it sort of started easing up, I was um working on like songs even before I had uh, new band members. I was working on some songs with. Jono, my friend who did the first EP. So I've been like still working on new songs and creating even through those hard times and just kind of manifesting what I wanted to be again. That would have been a tough time with the with the bands like basically ending. Well, it would have felt like that um, mm-hmm. when it when it was just you and then you weren't able to go out and display any music or probably even jam because of lockdowns and whatnot. It's, uh, it takes a certain amount of resilience, I suppose, to keep going at, at times like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually lived alone for the first time in my life for mm. a year around then. I think it was really important for my self-growth. It, I feel like it was a really like self-reflective time. It was kind of good to not be able to go outside for a bit to force myself to look inward and and reconsider some things and find out what really means the most to me. Yeah, I think a lot of people did that. A lot of good change came from the pandemic. It was a terrible time. It was a everyone locked up and but a lot of mental health and everyone was feeling it. There are a lot of positives as well. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there's obviously a lot of negatives as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying oh, there's way, way more negatives, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Just glad that's in the past. It's crazy. I um, I was living in like a one-bedroom apartment, me and my partner, and that first lockdown in Sydney happened. It wasn't as bad in Victoria, but I just remember you just get home from work and just, <laughs> just look around at the walls. And lucky I play guitar too, so you know that, that kept me busy. But my partner... Mm. My partner doesn't isn't creative like that, you know. She has she has creativity, but just in other other ways, you know. Music's just one of those good ones where, if you are locked up in a bedroom, at least if you've got a guitar or a computer, you can you can make music. Yeah, music is our savior. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, music has saved my life. Seriously, isn't it? Isn't that just such a? Some people might see it as a throwaway comment, but it, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really mean it. Like. Um, yeah, ever since I was a little kid, it was just my coping mechanism. And yeah, if I didn't have it, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, I'm really grateful. And it's also the community that I've found through it. I think communities really help, um, important for people's mental health. They've like done a lot of research that in order to feel happy, people have to feel like they're part of some bigger community. Yeah, I feel like the music scene's been that for me, the, the community, that the people that you see shows and who are in bands and you see them regularly at the shows and 
you just have this sense of that we're in it together. And I don't know, it's just something really beautiful there. I get what you mean. I mean, all my coasty friends and Sydney friends, when we all catch up at gigs and stuff, yeah, we're all on the same page. It's like, hey, did you play on Thursday to no one? Yeah, me too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we are all in this together. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the bands, you're going to release some new stuff soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, as I said, I was working on some new songs with uh, my friend Jono. And since then, um, we've pretty much got it all recorded now and it's just been sent off to get mixed and mastered and stuff like that. So, hopefully, at least by the end of this year, I reckon we'll have uh, like an EP out. Well, that's exciting. How many tracks on there? Uh, there'll be six songs. Yep. I'd love to do more, but it's just so expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, 100%. Are you doing stuff from home though? Like and then or are you doing it all in the studio? Um, well, it's Jono's kind of got like a home studio, so that's where we do most of the stuff and then I chose to do like the vocals in a proper studio. Um, just cuz I really wanted that to be done in a, a proper space where they sound the best, but I think also just cuz I I did work on like a lot more songs and we kind of chose those six as the best but I did probably like 10 songs so I still had to pay for them as well but you know they're in the back pocket so if I ever need to release something on a rainy day I've got those. (laughs) No that's good. I think one of the things through lockdowns and stuff I learned how to like record not good just demos like you know because yeah like you said it's so expensive. Before the pandemic, I was probably paying 800 bucks to be in the studio a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was doing solo stuff then. And and yeah, it's easier when you've got four people in a band to pay that, but still, it's still a lot of money. But uh, yeah. oh my God, so expensive. Yeah. And it's not like you really get that back afterwards, you know, it's just, <laughs> no, it's that's just right. part of the, the love. You do it for the love of the, of yeah. the music. Absolutely. Oh, well, I think we've, we've covered off most things. Um, are you gigging again soon? Are you, are you, and are you doing solo stuff too? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of just play solo shows here and there if people ask me to, but I, I, I feel like I did that for a long time when I didn't have the band. So now I'm just really excited to play band shows and yeah. that's sort of been the main focus, but I do play solo shows as well. Well, look, thank you so much for, um, for having a chat. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to hearing more stuff. So, um, yeah, keep me posted on on when it's coming out and, and when you're going to be playing in Sydney. I know you hate Sydney, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but I would you know. love to play in Sydney again. And, you know, like all my family's there, so, you know, I could go see them as well. So I'll yeah. definitely come back to Sydney. Of course. All right, Tones, thanks so much for jumping on the street press. We'll have to get you back on again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's Tones from The Lazy Seasons. Uh, great to have her on. And uh, and look, as a disclaimer, she doesn't hate Sydney. She doesn't mind Sydney. She just thinks Melbourne's better. Um, it's time for this. Yeah, this is the uh, part of the show. You can write on in. You write it. I read it. Head to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. Now, last week... Little controversial, I had Mitch Willard on, he's been my long-time producer for close to 20 years, and uh, we had a chat in last week's episode, about midway through, uh, we're talking about Dookie and, <laughs> and Insomniac, which are obviously two of Green Day's early albums. For me, Dookie's way better. 
for him, Insomniac's way better. And uh, it looks like people want to have their say about that. So Josh, who is, another disclaimer, one of Mitch's best friends, he's written in. Josh Taylor says, bro, Insomniac, then Nimrod, then Dookie, in that order. Come on. Then he says, lol, also you've sent me down a Green Day wormhole. I hope you're well. Okay, so it's two against one. Um, What do you think? Which album's better? Dookie, Insomniac. There's a new feature on these podcasts now. So if you're driving around, probably don't do it if you're driving, but if you're walking around and you click on this episode, there will be a question there and I'm going to put there which was better. And I think it sort of gives you feedback or you can get a, a poll happening. If you want to have your say on this very serious issue, which album is better? Dookie or Insomniac by Green Day. <laughs> Click that thing in the, uh, in the show notes. As for the band that I play and sing in called The Ritzy Kids, we just released a music video for Dark Blue Sky and the reception has been incredible. It's been so good to read the comments. Hang on, I'm just going to jump on here. Jordan says, bloody unreal, very relatable lyrics and fantastic instrumentals. 10 out of 10. Well, pretty good score. Thank you. <laughs> Another one says, love the effort you put into making your videos. Thank you. Damien says, love this. Uh, Bruce, all the way up there in Old Bar, he says, I like the cameo from George. I have uh, my dog George is in the music video. And it was so much fun to make this one. Basically, it's in two locations. We went to Bangers and Mosh Studios in Kilcare and uh, and we recorded all like the band scenes there. And then the rest of the video clip was filmed at my house and I didn't even have to take off my um, my gown. So I'm in a gown in the, in the whole music video or at least for the majority of it. And uh, it was all shot at my house. And a lot of people have been asking me, what does Vaseline taste like after watching <laughs> after watching the video because there is a a scene in there, I won't give too much away if you haven't seen it yet, where I put Vaseline on a toothbrush and brush my teeth with it. It'll all make sense if you go and have a look. Check it out. Uh, We've got a YouTube page. We've got a website, theritzykids.com, Instagram. If you're not following that, we're always posting stuff and we're always trying to have a bit of fun. So if you want to join the community, go to the Ritzy Kids Band on Instagram and, um, you know, you can say good day to us that way. But yeah, fun video to shoot. We had a ball and uh, I'm so glad that it's out in the world. And don't forget, if you want to support the podcast that supports the artists, memberships are open. You can head to thestreetpresspodcast.com and memberships are only $4 a month. So you get a bunch of things on there. You can win some prizes. Uh, you get 10% off merch. So you can do that at thestreetpresspodcast.com. And that's about it for today's episode. Don't forget next week, next Wednesday, we're going to have someone else on the Street Press Podcast from the music industry. Until then, have a crack in time and ta-ta. Ta-ta.